Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. I'm pretending I'm part of the choir by just standing, just <laughs> pretending I'm part of the choir. <laughs> now, uh, the words that Sean just read for us are on page three. Uh, and if you turn over to page four, you'll see four little headings. Uh, I'm going to try and explain to you why singing is such an amazing thing, according to the Bible, and, and what that represents. So there's two ways you can make sure that you can tell I've nearly finished. Uh, one is to follow page three, or second is to look at the headings on page four, and then you'll go, oh, there we are, he's nearly done. So, so that's why it's there, to help you uh, move along with me. Um, this, this is a, a poem uh, or a song. It depends, you know how you work it. The lyrics are there, and it's been put to music. And we know in the Bible that it's actually, this Psalm 96 is actually in its entirety quoted in a history book called Chronicles in the 16th chapter. It's quoted in it. So we know exactly why this was written originally. It was written because the nation of Israel were badly beaten by enemies called the Philistines, lived nearby. And not only had they been beaten, but they'd gone to the sort of centerpiece, the temple of Israel, and taken away God's laws as written in stone. And really had taken the mickey out of God. And Israel wins that back. And when they win it back, David the king writes this poem, which is put to music, and they go, yes. God is in control. And so my title is Sing to the God of All. At the bottom of page three there is a heading. And I think I want to say as we look at this tonight, if you had to sort of wrap the big idea, here's the question. Who is really in control of our lives and our destiny? Verse 10 here is almost the centerpiece of this poem comes song. Say among the nations... So tell everyone, not just Israel, tell England, tell Wales, Scotland, Ireland, tell us all. The Lord reigns. The world, verse 10, is firmly established. It can't be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Here's the question. Don't you think sometimes in your heart of hearts, Who's in charge of my life? How will it work out? Where do I go from here? How do I handle that? How's it going to end up? I'm frightened. How am I going to get to there? What's going to happen to my kids or my wife or my family or my friends or my career? How is it going to shape up? How can I be sure of anything? And the Bible says, look, dear friend, here's how our troubles in life begin. Forget being religious now for a minute. Don't... Don't do a sort of religious, non-religious thing on this. Just be a woman or a man. Or, you know, just be a human being on this. The Bible says to all human beings, half our troubles begin because we think this is the only life and it's down to you to pull it all off. Now, when you start out, you think I might be able to do that one, but it doesn't take ever so long to work out that a few things go wrong along the way, don't they? It doesn't quite always work just so. And the Bible wants to say to us, get one thing clear, and you've got a compass, you've got a map, 
You've got some understanding that changes your whole vantage point on the universe. And it is that the Lord reigns. There really is a God, not just for religious people. There really is a God. He really, really is there, like properly real. He did make it. He did make you, whether you believe it or not. That's what the Bible says. Whether we believe it or not, he is there and he made the whole thing and he's in charge of the whole thing. And if only we could recalibrate our thinking and see that, it would transform the way we live. And uh, forgive me quoting a Welsh mother, but my mother would have said to me, and then, boy, you'll make sense of life. Uh, Thinking of my mother, she used to, um, she had a chair, you know, in the kitchen, a little Welsh terrace, and she had a chair in the kitchen. And uh, when I wouldn't go to church anymore in my earlier teens, uh, on a Sunday night at 8 o'clock, Willie Bowen's hymn program used to be on Swansea Sound. <laughs> Half an hour of hymns. And she'd sit there, and just because I wouldn't have gone to church, you know, I was refusing to go. She, it was only a small house, so she used to turn the radio up as loud as possible <laughs> to spite me from watching the television. And then I say, ma'am, will you turn that down? And she say, no, I'm not turning it down because one day you will sing these with all your heart. So you better learn the words now. <laughs> she used to say that. She did, she did. And do you know, when she passed away uh, some years ago now, uh, I was in Cambridge, she was in Wales. Um, I'd said goodbye, her heart was packing in and I knew, we knew at Christmas that she'd go and it was five hours drive. So we wouldn't get, so we said goodbye to each other uh, She said, look after those kids. I said, I will, ma'am. I said, look after yourself. She said, good boy. I said, good mother. And you know, neither of us wanted to say what we knew, but we hugged and off I went. And I cried in the car and off we went. And she she went. And I got back too late. And I got to the hospital and she was gone. We went back to the house and there's a little notebook here right by Willie Bowen's radio, right there, right by a Bible. And I said, dad, can I have a look in ma'am's notebook? He said, yeah, of course you can. I opened a notebook. She'd written two things before going to the hospital. Here was the first. In Welsh, but I'll translate for your sake. (laughs) By Graham Sugar Puffs. Sugar Puffs, yes, Sugar Puffs. I was 38. I'd been pretending I loved sugar puffs since I was 13. <laughs> My wife used to go crazy. We'd take the kids home, right? We'd take the kids home, you know, holidays, half terms. My mother bring out massive boxes. My wife would be going, tell her we don't want to eat them. She was going to die. She writes a note for my father because I'm 38. I'm coming home. I'll need sugar puffs. That's a mother, isn't it? Last thing she ever wrote was... Uh, A quote from John's account of the life of Jesus. In this world, we will have many troubles. But take heart. I have overcome this world. That's a good last line on your life, isn't it? You know what she had, see? I mean, you know, she wasn't uh, an educated woman. She She never left where we grew up. Do you know what she had? Perspective. No education could, could have given her this perspective. No travel could have given a greater perspective than this. God is in control of the universe, and that's why I sing my heart out. 
because I have a deep and profound joy that it's all in his control and I am not the master of the destiny and it's okay because he loves me and he look after me. If that is possible, wouldn't it be majestic? And wouldn't it make a man or a woman sing? Their hearts are. Because the heart follows the mind. And if the mind grasps this truth, then it's worth singing. And that's why in this little song here, look with me now, and we'll speed along through it. Look at the first six verses. Oh, don't worry, we will. Um, Look how many times it says sing here. And I want to put it to you that all I'm saying here is, if we can grasp that God has got it, and when I leave this world, he can look after me. And as long as I live in this world, he won't disappear from me. As long as I'm in this world... He will love me whatever I do. However much I screw it up, he will never, ever let me go if I trust in him. If this is true, no wonder, no wonder the song starts like this. Sing to the Lord a new song, verse 1. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Keep your eyes on those six verses there. Three times. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. That just means if you know who he is, you know his character. As you praise how amazing he is, it will turn into song. Day after day, verse 2. To know that God is real is not to go a day without knowing that he loves you regardless of your failures or strengths. No wonder when there's love like this in a person's mind and heart that they can sing. Look at three. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds. Your heart overflows when you get it that he is in charge of the universe and you can trust him. The Lord is great, verse 4, and worthy of praise. But look, look at that there. Look at that little word. He's to be feared. He's to be feared above all gods. God isn't just your grandfather in the sky with a big white beard who gives sweets out. His love is matched with his incredible holiness, says the Bible. You know when you really blow it and nobody knows? I mean, I don't want to look at anyone because you could look at everybody, couldn't you? You know those things that not even the person who loves you most might know. You know them, right? If somebody made the universe, he knows. He knows. He knows what we did yesterday. He knows the last week. And he sees the flaws. He sees the Jekyll and Hyde. He sees the beauty and the beast. He sees it all. And he is the definition of holiness. So when he looks at us, he knows we've hurt him. He knows we've turned our back on what he wants. Our conscience tells us. And so we should fear him even as we understand 
that he is incredibly loving. And if you don't live in the knowledge of this, it changes day-to-day life. You lose sight of splendor and majesty. Verse 6. You can't look up. Do you know that story of Bob Geldof? Uh, Younger ones will know, feed the world. Let them know it's Christmas time. When Geldof put Live Aid together in 1985, for those who can remember, it was an incredible time. It was like a revolution. There was no sport aid and comic relief. Nobody had ever done it. Famous people didn't care for people or love people or make a difference in the world or give their money away. And Geldof dreamt of this for eight years. He was in a huge famous band called the Boomtown Rats and they were really famous. And he networked the whole world of famous artists and got them to have a stadium uh, performance at Wembley and in LA. And it was all over the telly and it was awesome. I was a student and uh, just finished studying and thinking it was like a revolution you felt you were part of something amazing and he was the driver of it and it was a really amazing period and the story goes that uh, when it was finished and the television cameras had gone off and the whole thing was done he thought Wembley Stadium was empty the lights were down he thought there were a few security guards left and it said that he stood on the stage at Wembley looked out into the dark Wembley Stadium in the early hours of the morning. Everybody had gone home. And he said to himself, I've dreamt of this for years. I've dreamt of it for years. And I've done it. And it was a brilliant thing he did. He did. It was an amazing thing he had done. But then a remarkable thing happens. He says that somebody from the back of Wembley Stadium, right out there in the distance, shouts at him, Bob, Bob. Is that it, Bob? And Geldof said in an interview when his biography came out, is that it? That at that moment he punched his chest and said, no, that can't be it. There's got to be more. I've got to keep finding ways to fill the terrible empty void in here. And he said he despaired, which is why he called the biography Is that it? The Bible wants to say, live, really, really live. Sing your heart out for the boys, or maybe sing your heart out for Jesus. Because he is in charge. And there are no such thing as God's, verse 4. The nations have idols. There are so many things that are worth going for. Music, sport, arts, academia, friendship, joy, building a business, changing a community. They're magnificent things. But lose the context of the God who made you and who gave you all your talents and who loves you amazingly, even more than your closest lover. And the God-shaped gap can never be plugged. Which is why trusting in Christ plugs the gap and lets you see the big picture and keeps you looking up and looking around and going, it's not all about me. There's somebody in control of me who loves me. And when the choir sing and they sing those words, it's those truths that the heart sings when we get clear on who we're singing to and who we're singing of. 
That's the singing the Bible refers to. But you know, when you hear the singing, the second heading I've got is new worshippers. Seven to nine. And this gets quite personal, but of course I won't embarrass you, I'll just embarrass myself. But uh, uh, you know when you hear the words of songs like this, like hearing this Psalm 96, the Bible's pretty clear here in 7 to 9 that it says to you, the listener or singer today, what will you do with God? To sing these words and to hear them is a joyous thing of the truth of the universe, of a God who's in control. But what will I do with it? Look at 7 to 9. Will I be a worshipper tonight? Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. When you hear the song of how amazing God is, he says to us tonight, will you ascribe worship to me? And I, I, I try not to keep saying it because so many of my friends say, well, I'm just, you're not, you know, Dano, I'm not the religious type. You have a talk about God and the universe and a lot of my mates sort of in their 40s go, but I'm not the religious type. I can't bear it, you know. We're just human, aren't we? My mate said that to me once, and I said to him, do you want to come for a walk up Great St. Mary's Tower in Cambridge? He said, I'm not the religious type. But we walked up the tower, and it's about 300 steps. Not very high, because Cambridge is flat. And it was summer, and there was a lovely flat bit on the top. And we stood there for 10 minutes having a chat in the sun with a coffee in our hands. And he said, should we go then, mate? I said, yeah, come on then, let's go. And he walked for the steps. He said, why aren't you coming? I said, no, I'm going to jump. And he said, don't be ridiculous. What do you mean you're going to jump? I said, well, I'm not the gravitational type. <laughs> you, you know, there are just truths, aren't there? No, no, but this is quite important. You, you know, that either God is there or he isn't there. There's no kind of in-betweeny. Either he's in charge of the universe and he loves you deeply and he came into it to die on a cross because you have broken the relationship with him and he loves you enough to die in your place. Either that's true or it's not true. If it's not true, forget it, sing, but there'll be no hope of something greater than this life. No one greater to live in me. Or if it is true, he can live in me and keep me forever and my heart can burst with truth. So will we ascribe, look at some of the phrases in there. Will we give him the glory due to his name, verse 8? Will we bring an offering into his courts? Verse 8. Will we come to him and offer our lives? Will we worship him, all of us? Verse 9. Will we tremble before him and say, you made a hundred million galaxies. I'm standing on one mound of the earth that spins around the sun with eight other planets spinning around it. Right now you're spinning, you know. You know that, don't you? Like we're just suspended in space, held by gravity, being drawn to the sun. We're not that sophisticated, are we? And we're spinning around. And that's one galaxy, and there's 100 billion light years to the next one, Andromeda. And there's 100 million galaxies. That's quite a lot. I reckon if somebody made that, he is the business. <laughs> no, no, but isn't it? Isn't it? Forget the religious type now. He must be the business. 
And if he is the business, he says, you, you, one of 12 billion who ever lived on this planet, that's what they estimate, about seven now and about five or six in history. Me, one of 12, what? The one who made all that loves me, made me, knows me inside out, and is totally committed to me, would die for me by coming into the world, smashed death and said, I'll live in you. Shall we go? Come on. Shall we live? Do you want to live? Do you want to know who I am? Do you want to get your head up and watch me? Do you want to walk with me? Do you want to be part of my plan for the universe? Or do you want to go, no thanks, mate, I've got a better plan, because you're not that sharp. (laughs) Quite a call, that, isn't it? No, no, ascribe to the Lord greatness. Worship him. And, you know, worship isn't being a bit... I'm trying to think of a word that's not a rude word. No, no, I don't mean to be clever. I mean, worship in the Bible is offer everything you've got. Your brain, your heart, your strength, your relationships. And say, you gave them to me. I want to enjoy them the way you made me to live them. Help me. That's worship. Your whole life, see? Singing expresses it. But 24-7, if God is in charge and he lives in you by his spirit... He says, go and live, go and live with me at the centre. Ah, that's why, right, meeting somebody, I'm ageing now fast, I can feel it moving on very quickly these days. But you know, there's still people older than me just, and uh, uh, I, I was with somebody the other day, who was 92, and I sat with him for two hours, and he talked about Christ. Uh, and his face is obviously old, very old, in 92, but you know his eyes? His eyes were like a 16-year-old's. Life, light, full of purpose. I said, well, what are you doing this week? Then he's in a nursing home. I said, what's the plan this week? He said, uh, oh, he said, uh, he said, well, he said, didn't you know? He said, um, uh, I've got a meeting tomorrow night. I've invited everyone and I've asked somebody to come and speak. He said, a youngster. I've asked a youngster to come and speak about the Christian faith. I said, oh, who's that? Then he said, oh, it's Pete Jones. I said, I said, Pete's 86. He said, youngster, youngster. <laughs> Waiting for the finishing line without fear, but fully alive now because he's put God in his rightful place. And you see, when you know this, you sing songs from your mind into your heart that reflect this truth. Because this is a God who can look after our lives and can save our lives and can live in our lives. But here's the thing, if I may say it again. This is for you and me this evening. This isn't your neighbor. This isn't the religious person. This isn't the the vicar. This is every person who hears of God coming into the world through Jesus Christ must look at him and say, what will I do with this? Will I ascribe greatness to him? Will I give him what it's due to him? Worship the Lord, verse 9, in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Would he do this for you? I mean, can you really believe it? Would he really come into the world he made in his son and die a terrible early battered death? Because the justice that you and I deserve, he pays the price. Is that really the story of the universe? I mean, it's a, it's a rubbish story if it's not true, isn't it? You know, you've either got to say, forget that nonsense. 
But what if it is true? What if it really is true and we just haven't seen the universe for what it is? We just didn't see history properly. We didn't see that history is his story. It's his story, not mine. What if that's true? Then you become part of the global, universal, eternal revolution of Jesus. And then you can sing your heart out to the God of truth who is the rescuer. So here's the last little part of it, 10 to 13. It's a new world. There's a new song. Will you be a new worshipper? But mark this, there will be a new world one day. This world is fractured and broken. And one day, the Bible says Jesus will come back. And when he comes back, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more mourning. Because he will start it all over again. But you and I have to make a decision while we live now about whether we want to be part of that new world with him by trusting in him. Say among the nations, verse 10, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It can't be moved. He will judge the people. Do you see that? He will judge the people with equity. See verse 13. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in truth. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that Jesus, who beat death and died on your behalf and mine, the Lord who gives us a song in our heart and a perspective on the universe, will return and justice will be done. Everything that is wrong will be righted. But here's the problem. When he writes everything that's wrong, he's going to have to write my wrongs. And if he writes my wrongs, I can't be there. In fact, if he came tonight and righted all the wrongs and all the wrongdoing of all the wrong people, none of us could be there. The only way to be there when that judgment comes is to trust that he sent his son to die on a cross so that the punishment would be paid for our wrongs. And that's why if you trust in Christ, you long for the day when he comes because he pays the penalty that you might live forever. That's the good news of Christianity. And it begins when you trust him. And look what that day is going to be like. Look at 11 and 12. This is almost ridiculous. It's so much joy that in 11 and 12, even the sea resounds and the fields are jubilant, verse 12. Everything in them, the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Even nature will cry out. You know, like when you can't bear but sing. You know, when people couldn't bear but clap. A day will come when the blooming trees won't be able to bear but clap. They'll be going, come on. It's a new start that lasts forever. That's why the Bible talks about singing. These will be great days. But a terrible day if you refuse the offer of Jesus Christ as your saviour. Because he will honour your commitment to live without him without the creator of the universe, without the saviour of the universe, and he will honour your choice. You're a free human being, as am I. We're culpable. And that's why the Bible says you have to bow your knee to the judge and trust him. But of course, if he did make the whole show, he's worth bowing the knee to. That must be right, isn't it? If he did. Well, there we are. I'll just stop there. 
Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Sing, sing, sing to the Lord. Why? Because he is absolutely in control of the universe and he made everything. Why? Because you can trust him that he has saved you and me. Why? So that you can live now with him in your life and so that you can live forever when that horrible great assassin comes and takes you away. Finish with my dad because he passed away just after Christmas. Forgive the family references. We went to uh, talk about the Christian faith at Parca Scarlet's where Snethley play rugby. And we were driving home and my, da- my dad said, I-, I like the talk tonight. That was all right. I said, that's kind of you, dad. Thanks. And he said, um, he said, do you know what? He said, um, I, um, I'm ready. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I wasn't ready when your mother went because I didn't know Christ. But I'm ready now, you know, he said. I'm ready. That was it. Man of few words. Quiet man. Quiet man. He went six weeks ago. The last chat we ever had about it. You cry, right? But he was ready. Got to be ready. And when you're ready, your heart will sing these truths with joy. And now we get to sing again, don't we? And even if you don't believe these truths, think about if Christ is true. Think about this, this is true. Yeah, come on, let's get ready. <laughs> and, and, if you're thinking of believing it, imagine what it's like to trust Christ when you sing these words of truth. And if you do trust Christ, sing your heart out. Because these truths are your truths, but they're available to all. Because there's no such thing as the gravitational type. Right? <laughs> Come on then, shall we sing? Yes, what are we singing? Let's just check. Lord, I lift your name on high. Perfect song. Lift him up. He's the Lord.